and add, add an opinion with that voice. Yeah, add a heightened, attitude opinion. heightened attitude and opinion because it's not enough to just have the alarm clock, you know, but I mean, it could be a different alarm clock. It could be an alarm clock that is a little bit more like, oh my, oh my, oh my, you know, you know, if that's, if that's how you feel, you know, okay. where, where maybe your alarm clock has a different sound. My alarm clock is a little bit of a snob. You know, oh, 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 I see you're going to put those socks on. Oh, oh. You know. Greetings, everyone. Come on in and have a seat up front for the Funny Muscle Podcast. If you're here, then you're looking to learn how to create laughs like a pro. So please help me welcome to the stage your co-host to help you do that, economic professor and open micro Chris Stifler and comedian turned author Mike Lucas. So last time we talked about, we kind of dissected like three of those heightening devices. We did bait and switch, funny specifics, and cut forward to. So I thought today maybe we would do cut back to anthropomorphize and contrasts if we can dived into three examples uh, and then kind of you explain the background of how they work the mechanics of how they work but yeah the uh, okay well um the anthropomorphizing is is one of my favorite things to do that that's where you uh, give it a voice and to me that's there's so much it's so fertile to begin to imagine things coming alive and then it's not just about giving something a voice but you're also giving it an opinion you're giving it a take and typically the take is a mocking take, or it's a, uh, I guess, sarcastic take, but it's it's sort of a different way to comment on yourself when you can give, if I'm giving the glass I'm drinking out of an opinion about my breath, it becomes funny because instead of just going, boy, I have bad breath, it could be like my, you know, the cup that I'm drinking out of is like, whoa, buddy, you should scrape your tongue before you put your mouth on me. I'm you know, it's going to take too long in the dishwasher. And I don't like that, you know, whatever, you know, and then, then you have all of a sudden that, that glass of water, it starts talking to the bottle of water and, and it's like, Oh, I know he's, he's got his lips on me and I can, I can, I can smell it too or whatever. And then now it can be a comment on bad breath or whatever, or a comment on somebody who backwashes, you know, like, like that could be your, you know, the idea that I, you, I, I hate it when people backwash is, is, is a, it might be a fun premise. Now I have a glass. I have a, maybe the ice cubes are also chiming in. You know, we don't like it either. The, 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 the secondary liquid sticks to us. And now it, it reflects on what we're like. We're just ice cubes. We like to be clean. We don't like the secondary swill, <laughs> whatever. But, but so when you anthropomorphize, it's, it's, what I what I was funny. One of the clients I worked with tried to anthropomorphize uh, the the idea that she had a, a sweater that she complimented somebody on, and that person took it off and gave it to her. And then she tried to anthropomorphize that idea, and she did it in a way that didn't give the sweater a voice. And then one way I helped her was to help her realize that if you anthropomorphize something. You really want to give it a voice, and that's that's kind of an act out. So if you're not an act out comic, an act out comic is somebody who says the joke and then takes you to that place and does the conversation that happens based on that scenario that you set up. And a lot of comedians enjoy doing act out, so it's not a stretch for most people to add an anthropomorphize into it. Now, some people are one liners, and some people are they don't do act out. They're just joke tellers. And, and, and so those people probably wouldn't 
do a lot of anthropomorphizing, but I was a big act out comic. I, I with my improv improvisation training and my acting and my facial expressions, I loved to like it wasn't enough for me to tell the joke. I had to bring you to the and that's what I always did when it, before I ever was ever a comedian. I would I would bring people to the scenario and paint that picture through dialogue. And so that's the thing about anthropomorphizing. You have to really give it a voice and, and, and not just a voice, but a personality and not just a personality, but a heightened personality and uh, an attitude. And the attitude is what's really important because the attitude is what you can heighten. If my bed is, uh, or my alarm clock, the, the bit that I, I brought up for this one was my alarm clock and my alarm clock. I, I said, you know, my alarm clock is a, a dick. I don't, I can't remember how I set it up in the act, but, but the essential part of that was my alarm clock is kind of a dick, you know, it, it, in the morning. And, and is it, man, man, get your ass out of bed. You got to go to work and you hate your job. Hey. Now, all of a sudden, instead of, eh, it turns into, hey. now it's laughing at me. Mm -hmm. You know, um, your boss is incompetent, but he's completely in charge of you. Ha, ha, you're going to sit in traffic back that morning. Ha, ha. What are you doing rolling over? I know you can still hear me. Your life sucks. You took the first shitty job out of school and now you got to go there for the rest of your snooze. Here, let me play that. When I worked at AT&T, that clock was a dick, man. It was on my ass every morning. It knew it. It knew I hated my job. It was like, man, get your ass out of bed. You got to go to work and you can't stand your job. <laughs> Your boss is incompetent, but he's completely in charge of you. <laughs> You're gonna sit in traffic, back that morning traffic. <laughs> what are you doing rolling over? I know you could still hear me, Mike. Your life sucks because you took the first shitty job out of college, didn't you? Now you gotta go there for the rest of your life. We'll start today, you bad choice making lazy son of a snooze. <laughs> And now that's a frog bank. It's, 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 I'm, I'm snoozing a voice that I don't want to hear anymore. That's mocking me for the choices I've made. So now that bit climaxes into an applause break typically because I've heightened, heightened, heightened. And then I've got a good line at the end that that's a great frog bank, which is the snooze, which is basically saying, shut the fuck up, dude. And so, so, or shut the up uh, person who's judging me, but it's not a person. It's an alarm clock. And so, the anthropomorphizing heightening device is, is, you know, you can overuse it a lot. If everything in your world talks now that's, that becomes kind of old, but if you can pepper that in your show, cause I have also my bed, cause I would do a bed seduction where my bed was seducing me and my alarm clock was a dick. So there was two alternative or two opposing kind of one was really liking me and wanting me more. The other one was mocking me for my life choices. And so it was a nice contrast between those two things and those fit nicely in, in sort of a, a my bit about mornings. Okay, so I wrote on my card, the, the cards I do from your book, I wrote, give it a mouth, make it talk, give human qualities to non-human things. Yeah. But my misconception initially was, because you're a super act-out guy and have really good impressions and you have different voices and you have different pitches, but you can anthropomorphize something and not half don't be an impressionist no you don't and, and that's one thing that i it, one of the heightening devices is uh impersonation and I, I try to make that point in the book which is an impersonation can be i'm doing a spot-on 
impersonation of a voice that we all recognize. So, you, you know, Judy, Judy, Judy. Oh, that's Clark Gable or whatever. Uh, I'm just being funny. You Roddy Dangerfield. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I get a little respect. Yeah. And so, so you can, you can, and then you're rewarded by the audience when you are incredibly accurate with that impersonation. Frank Caliendo is wonderful at that. I used to open for him quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And you watch him and you're, it's fantastic to hear somebody take you to now all of a sudden John Madden is in the room and he heightens John Madden's silliness that, that he's noticed. And he does that with all his impersonations. Frank Calineo is, is, is brilliant. And the, the dude, like, like he doesn't just do impressions. He, he heightens his impressions and puts those people in different scenarios. And then he examines how he does the impression. So he almost is in, in a joking way, teaching you how to do the impression or how he does it. So there's almost a class involved in how he does it. So there's so many different ways that compared to say uh, Rich Little, who just did the impression and did a pretty standard uh, um, imitation of what the other guy does. Whereas Caliendo just takes it to, he really heightens that. And, and it, so, so when you watch someone like Caliendo do it, you think to yourself, well, I can never be, I can never impersonate someone that, that closely. So I certainly would never try and embarrass myself compared to say Frank, but I would do all my anthropomorphizing when I was opening up for Frank. And it was never a conflict. And it was never like I was trying to be him or be like him because I would do voices of my girlfriend or my or, or my aunt or my mom or or like you said, the the uh, the, the the airplane tray that's in front of you said so then it is you could just do any voice you want. You could just give it a voice, meaning don't make it your voice, but something else. maybe it's a little deeper, maybe it's a little higher, maybe you're you're doing it a little slower or you're doing it a little faster. And 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 even that it's it's my voice, but it's just giving the thing an attitude and that's what becomes funny. It's not saying that it sounds like uh, Bette Midler and now we all hear Bette Midler in the room. That that's that's a real true impersonation. I like to impersonate things that no one can call me on. You know, if I, if I do an impersonation of my wallet, geez, Mike, I'm empty again. You know, it, like like you don't know if that's what my the, my wallet sounds like. You're not going to go. Wait a minute, I thought your wallet was different. I thought it was a different that's, kind of leather I, than what you're just. I thought thinking. spoke journey. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and 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 I thought your wallet had a chain. I didn't hear a chain in that voice or whatever. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a safe impersonation. So I like, I like to say that you can impersonate things and people that nobody knows with whatever voice you want. And like for your act, Chris, you're like, I, I watch you up there and I, I'm, I think you could do some good voices in it. And I think what that does is it breaks up your voice so that we, we get to see different pictures being painted with your voice but without ever you having to do a impersonation of a celebrity because people think impersonations are only celebrity impersonation but yeah so so to me like that's how i help advise people in terms of anthropomorphizing is you can give anything a voice and the voice is up to you and it doesn't even have to be a silly voice like even if you just the idea of an upright table talking is funny enough if if you can if you commit to it and heighten it and then call it back where now later in the flight of your bit, you know, in the bit that, that's talking about that flight, now that voice can come back that you already did. And it can be that upright table or whatever, like what's it called? The um, trade table. Trade table. Thank you. Now, all of a sudden that trade table becomes a character in your piece 
and it can have another comment later after say after the PDA is done and you guys are all smoking a cigarette, the 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 trade table could want a cigarette too. You know, hey, I was involved in that. I'd, I'd like to relax a little bit. You know, and and so there's a real that's a real fertile area that I think a lot of people don't delve into because they're afraid that they don't do voices. So then it's going to come across as inadequate, but that's not true. Like you can do anything, give anything a voice. And then what's fun is to picture what do different things sound like, you know, what does a piece of gum sound like, you know, compared to what a, a glass of orange juice sounds like, you know, and, and what, and what would those two things say to each other? You know, you know, you're monopolizing the mouth. <laughs> gum and you easy juice easy i'm I'm gonna wear out soon you're gonna be there for the rest of the day you know now those two things can begin to talk and then you can go back to my voice and now we've we've seen in our mind what this conversation might be like and and it's a ridiculous conversation but if it makes sense for the bit you're doing and it helps to heighten the point you're making i say that's that's a lot of fun and i say that's that's worth doing but the conversation about some homework or low hanging fruit homework, kind of the, 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 the tiny habits type thing. I think he told me the one homework piece of advice was just to like anthropomorphize something in the room. Or if you're standing in line at the post office, like what is the postcard saying, looking at this line or so how did you articulate that? Give me a, give me a homework or easy five minute, like uh thing to practice when I'm in traffic or, Again, it's not just about giving something a voice. You're giving it a voice with an attitude. You're you're giving it an uh, you're giving something that doesn't have an opinion an opinion, and that opinion is basically your own heightened opinion that that you would think from that its point of view what it would think. So, you know, my shoes might have an opinion about my stinky feet, and so if I want to do a bit about stinky feet. It'd be funny to have my shoes and my socks have a conversation, you know, where they're talking like, oh, my God, we got to we got to get this guy in the bathtub more often, you know, and then the bathtub is like, whoa, whoa, I don't want I don't want that to be involved in that, you know, and, and, and now there's a three way conversation where they're trying to work out a plan to get me a cleaner because because I just have a big guy stinky feet. So in terms of homework, like the fun thing to me would be to you know, when you walk out throughout your day to begin to just like notice things, give it an attitude, give it a voice and an attitude and an opinion that's heightened and and, and it's commenting on you and on on something about yourself that you want to mock or that you want to uh, heighten about, uh, about like an attitude, you know? So for me, a hairbrush might have a voice and I'm bald, so a hair, uh, you know, the attitude of that hairbrush might be like someone who is is disappointed and, and is, is unsatisfied, you know, like an unsatisfied woman, like, you know, oh, Mike, you know, I I just sit here on your dresser and I, I, I'm never used because your hair is so whatever. And then and then my razor blade can be like, oh, my God, I would kill it if you just if it was you, more you than me. But all I do is cut this stuff down and I'm, it, but you can still see the bald spots. Jesus, I, you know, I, I feel inadequate. And now, you know, the hairbrush is longing and the and the razor blade is tired. So now those are two attitudes that those uh, objects in my world, I'm just looking around my room. That's why I did that one. But, but you know, that like the, that's what I would say would be fun to begin to start doing because eventually what you can do is you can, when you're writing a comedy piece, you can figure out what are the objects in that comedy piece. And then you can start giving a voice to that. But in your daily life, 
when you're looking around, when you wake up, when you walk, like you said, if you're in the bank and you're in line, it'd be, it's funny to begin to picture what these things are thinking and saying based on your own prejudices and your own uh, fears and, and all that. Because really comedy is, you know, we're, we're mocking our struggles. And that's the whole point of comedy is, is life is difficult. And so when you can have fun with those difficulties, that's that's the point of a stand-up comedian is we bring up these struggles, we mock them so that the next time those people who are in the audience encounter that struggle, they remember our bit and then they laugh about it because they go, oh my God, my hairbrush has a whole different attitude than Mike's. My hairbrush is just completely filled with hair all the time. And it's like, well, I, I just stole those hair and I can barely get my teeth <laughs> you know because 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 i have long thick hair and that so now your your hairbrush has a different attitude now what if your hairbrush and my hairbrush meet up you know i'd kill to be you you know oh no no you wouldn't no you wouldn't trust me it's it's my mouth is full all the time whatever but but you get you like to me that that's where your imagination can begin to take place and then when you begin to write your material you'll see more often spots where those things can be anthropomorphized anthropomorphize is not the joke it's the tool to heighten the joke right you still have to have a, a good misdirection a good premise a good turn uh misdirection punchline but exactly. it, but i'm seeing anthropomorphizing these heightening devices at the end you 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 once you have a good 20 second joke you heighten it then with is that yeah so you can't I, just go up there and just do impressions no you can just do no, impressions like, of like the my stool. alarm clock i'm doing i'm already talking about like i, I don't like mornings you know not because it's too early, but because my alarm clock's a dick. So now I've just kind of, you know, like, like I can't remember if that's the way I set that up, but, but, you know, the, the premise is mornings and, and the setup is I don't like mornings because, you know, it, we might think the normal route is because it's early because I, I didn't get enough sleep and all that. And then the, the, the shift or the, the twist is that it's because my alarm clock is a dick. Now that alone gets a laugh because, you know, how can alarm clock be a dick? I mean, that's sort of like, like, like an alarm clock is an alarm clock. It's just a piece of inanimate uh, material. Um, but now if I just said my alarm clock's a dick and then I moved on to the next joke, it might get an okay laugh. But now I'm like, you know, with the blueprint, how big of a dick is my alarm clock? Well, it's so big of a dick you know, we don't say any of this, obviously, but it's so big of a dick that it, it, it starts to comment on my life. It starts to tear me apart basically like a like my ex-girlfriend might kind of a thing you know or or, or a, a, a kid who's not proud of his dad or her dad or um or a parent who's upset with you know however you want to play that but for me it was like it was kind of like a uh a, a buddy who's kind of drunk who's mocking me you know ah, ah, ah you know you're you you're, you're a loser you're a loser buddy and so then the voice came out of my impersonation of my alarm clock. Cause I had at that time, I had an alarm clock that was like, bah! it was like, it was that kind of an alarm clock. And so I just extended that and, and heightened it on stage one night and gave it an attitude. And so, yeah, so, so it's not, you can't just go up there and go, here's what my alarm clock sounds like. Dah, dah. You, you have to still use the blueprint to, to create a premise, to establish a premise to create a setup that that misdirects the audience into thinking you're going to go in normal direction. And then you're going to heighten it with something like that. My alarm clock is a dick. And that's, you know, that itself is, is funny, but then you have to heighten that and play the frog bank game where you combine those worlds over and over again. And, and until it gets ridiculous to where 
where I, you know, but, but it's a natural conclusion because how do you shut your alarm clock up? You, you just snooze it. And that's what we all do. And so I'm building to that. And if I didn't snooze that alarm clock, it'd be very disappointing to the crowd because they're all waiting for it. They're expecting it. And then when I hit it, oh, they clap because they're like, yes, he did it. Yeah. You know, and so so it was a real satisfaction for the crowd to, to for, for me to do that. But it wouldn't do that if I didn't set it up with a real joke at first. And that's the mistake I think I was making as a, as a young comic is I would go straight into the voice of the alarm clock without doing the blueprint where I'm, I'm really setting up a premise, I'm establishing a premise, setting up a normal expectation, and then twisting that with a misdirection and a heightened that, that, that they weren't expecting and that, that didn't occur to them. Okay. So add the opinion, add, add voices to an inanimate object and add, add an opinion with that voice. Yeah, a heightened, attitude a heightened attitude and opinion because it's not enough to just have the alarm clock, you know, but I mean, it could be a different alarm clock. It could be an alarm clock that is a little bit more like, oh my, oh my, oh my, you know, you know, if that's, if that's how you feel, you know, okay. where, where maybe your alarm clock has a different sound. My alarm clock is a little bit of a snob, you know, oh, oh, <laughs> oh, I see you're going to put those socks on. Oh, oh, you know. <laughs> You didn't wear pajama bottoms. Oh, oh, you know, whatever. However, it makes sense for what your joke is. You know, my joke was about this, you know, as a comedian, I just didn't like getting up early because I was usually drunk the night before and I had to get up early for radio. So a lot of that comedy came out of that where I was finding, you know, the, the clumsy Aspie hole was trying to blame the world for his own problem like I, I i i was i was hung over and i was lazy because i didn't want to get up and so but i wanted to blame my alarm clock and my bed for that problem not my own choices you have to really commit to that like i've seen stand up you know open micers that don't commit to their voice and that's like it's like worse because yeah. they are half trying to do it and they don't and that better off not doing it, i think when if you don't fully commit exactly and and, and the audience knows that and they and, and sometimes when I'm when I was doing that bit, especially in the beginning, you know, the audience is a little hesitant on whether or not they're going to follow you that way. But then, if because they saw that I was going somewhere with it, then they came along with me and 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 loved it. But yeah, a lack of commitment is worse than not doing it at all because now it looks like you don't believe in what you're doing. So if you're going to give something a voice, you got to give it an attitude. You got to give it a, um, a a direction where it's heading, and 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 then you've got to give it almost like a climax to 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 what it ends up being, it's so that it's got a natural ending to it. It's a little story, really. There's a little story that you know. Once upon a time, my alarm clock woke me up and was being a real jerk to me. And here's how it ended. It's just funny to see how quickly your brain works because you've been doing this so long. But the attitude thing I think is really good for students hearing is to give it an attitude, give it an opinion before yeah. you anthropomorphize. And that's real. That's real important because the voice is is just part of the tool, but you have to give it an attitude, an opinion, and 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 you have to heighten that. Like that's heightening is so key in this world of comedy. Is you're just piling on, and not just piling on, but you're making it bigger and taking it to another level which is the in improv that's yes anding where you're you're not just agreeing with the thing you're also giving it some new life giving it some new depth giving it some uh, more excitement more 
whatever it is more of it and and that and and that's the key to good comedy and good improvisation according to uh, viola spolin who's like the godmother of improv and she says that all improv is transformation you're taking it from an, an initial idea and you're because you're heightening and yes anding and agreeing and, and and adding on you transform something that we all recognize into something new that we didn't recognize or expect and that's the transformation that, that stand-up comedy does as well you start with a bit about you know a date that you're taking and now you've transformed it into an attitude that the car has even like like even the car gets that you're a loser dude you know and and so now we've transformed the idea of a bad date into a general opinion about this guy's ability to please a woman you know and and um you know you could take that idea of that car you know like like and who's the next owner going to be you know is it a relief for them maybe the next owner is a woman and he's like oh my god thank thank goodness we're, we're on the other side of it and you know you could just there's a lot of different places that, that your friend could could take that thing you know she the, the the car could whisper to her as she's leaving as she shuts the door the car could you know whisper to her and go it's not you trust me it's him <laughs> it's not the first time this has happened um just go, <laughs> run run lady run get out here he, he tends to chase people you know whatever but you know like <laughs> there, there could be you know all of that you know depending on what the you know i don't know what the setup is or i don't know how she she does her whole act but 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 you know that that's how i look at those moments is it has to transform itself into something bigger and better and weirder and 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 crazier than it was and then hopefully when you work that out on stage like a lot of times this doesn't happen right away you 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 do these bits over that's why like nobody does their netflix special right out of the gate like bill bird does a he works his act for a year before he does he does a new act every year so there's you know 11 months and 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 2 weeks worth of going over this bit over and over and over again before he actually shows us what it is and in that process he is adding on to things he's adding callbacks he's adding heightens to it he's figuring out where is this going and why and then what we see is the end result of that but the process of doing that is what he that's his the, his work at the comedy clubs when he does open mics or when he just does a regular week headlining doing new material and that's the fun of watching a guy like him I mean, he set the bar for all of us to hire because, you know, when, when and, and, and not just him, but all the other comics that do a new special every year. Um, um, Brian um, Regan was that way. Um, uh, Jim Gaffigan is that way. Um, uh, Sarah Silverman was that way. Uh, Wanda Sykes was that way. You know, they're, they're, they're you, you, when you go to watch them, you love them so much. You kind of want to watch it's like a band. You want to hear their old hits, but also you want to hear their new hits. And sometimes mm -hmm. you just want to hear their new hits because you're so used to the old ones. You've heard them over and over again that, you know, you want to hear a little bit of that, but then you want that, but with new details. And that's what these people do. These comedians who are really good at, that, that do these hour specials, uh, but they're working on that. And that's the, that's part of that work is you're, you're trying to figure out where is this thing going? Where, where is my heightening heading to? Do you, do you have your second book ahead of you or can you just give us some examples some famous examples people might know that are anthropomorphizing okay so okay yeah, i got some good examples here okay so um <laughs> i the second book i used mitch hedberg i like waffles waffles are like pancakes with syrup traps a waffle says to the syrup hold on now you ain't going anywhere don't even be trying to creep down the side. Just rest in these squares. If one square is full, move on to the next one. When you hit the butter, split up. 
so now he's given a voice to um to the waffle having a conversation with the syrup and so to me that's that's beautiful because you know Mitch Hedberg doesn't always do a lot of those kinds of things but when he does it it's it's great you know he he um he you love to hear him his voice now is is the voice of the uh, waffle and I like it because the waffle has an attitude that you know and it sort of reflects Mitch's attitude which is like well yeah it's all good man just you know like make your way through and and so so it like now, whenever anyone watches or, or eats a, a waffle with syrup and you've heard that bit, you know, you almost want to give you, you anthropomorphize that syrup yourself because of Mitch taught you how to do that. And then you you can almost take it to further lengths. You know, the you know, the syrup is, you know, I'm sticky and I'm I'm, I'm, I'm going to get on your best sweater and I'm going to be with you for the rest of your life, you know, kind of thing. And now you can give that syrup a voice because he gave it a voice. But the first voice was simply about the instructions that it's giving the waffles giving to the syrup in terms of maneuvering around this this um, this this uh, landscape, <laughs> this bumpy landscape. So that's the one I use in that one. And then um, Seinfeld does a great one where he talks about dry cleaning and he's like, water ruins leather. What about cows in rain? They're wearing leather. And then I have cows who are like <laughs> at the front door, let us in, you know? So now <laughs> okay, cow yeah, is, true. Is trying to protect his own leather, which is, you know, pre leather, but it's, it's still leather. And now he gives that leather, that cow a voice. Cows don't talk, but in his act, a cow not only, is talking but it has an attitude it's afraid that it's going to ruin its jacket its own jacket which is its skin so it's funny because now we're, we're you know we, we see a cow and we get that it's wearing leather number one and number two that the cow cares about its leather the way we care about our leather jacket so to me those are those are some good examples that's a good example of showing it doesn't need to be a whole long soliloquy no. or a long dialogue it can be quickly like uh, even even the dog said like look out or even yeah. My car's bumper yeah. said, what are you doing? Or, yeah. okay. well, exactly. In, in, in Seinfeld, isn't he doesn't do a lot of really long act outs. He's more of a, a one yeah. line kind of guy. So if he does an anthropomorphize, he's going to do it quickly. And But he still does it. And that's the point is, boy, those things peppered in at the right place are a real nice touch. And, and, you know, and then he does it in his voice, let us in, you know, whatever. I can't do Seinfeld. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. do impersonation. <laughs> I'm no Caliendo. Um, who is? No one. Uh, Caliendo is that's the only one who's a Frank he uh, but but Seinfeld you know uses his own voice and now now the cow sounds a little bit like sort of the the Jewish uh, Borscht Belt comedian that that Jerry Seinfeld is imitating when he heightens his own voice even funnier yeah yeah so 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 again you you don't have to do a long drawn out version of it um, if you don't want to you know like a lot of times you're just trying to heighten it to a real natural place and for them it was a quick natural place for a lot of my bits because of who i am it would extend further but that that was my style that's how i like to do it but but i'm not a i wasn't a one one uh liner guy you know and hedberg was more of a he he did a lot of like uh, you know smaller bits you know but not 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 like seinfeld it was more like you know on you know he wasn't a one-liner either. It wasn't like like you know Dangerfield that would do but um but um but um but um but um but um. You know Seinfeld would would extend his thing. So yeah, so it, it really is, you know. And, and again, that's what you do when you're at an open mic or, or when you're trying out your new material. Is you're experimenting with that part. How long does this go? I you know what I would always do. 
I would always go one step further than the last laugh. And then I would backtrack when I listened to the recording. That's why it's so important to record your sets is because you listen. And when did I lose the crowd? When did the, when was the crowd sick of hearing about my, my syrup talking or my waffle talking? Ah, well, right then it was, they, they sound tired of, of that waffle having a voice, but up until then, they liked it. So then you just backtrack it. Same with my alarm clock bit, you know, like, like once I realized where that ending was, you don't add anything after that. You, now, you know, I go, ah, right. That there's four, four punchlines in there. The fifth one sucked. So then you backtrack it. But, but that's the thing about an open mic is you have to be willing to suck that fifth time in order to get to that fourth. That's a good philosophy for those people. You should you should be pushing yourself where the one line doesn't get a joke. I, I tell people a similar example uh, when people ask, you know, who, how many colleges do you apply to? And I ask them, did you get rejected? And they said no. And I was like, well, then you did the edu- the college application process wrong because you didn't apply to the Harvard or the Yale or the you didn't see how high you could actually get if you, you didn't get a rejection. So you didn't do it. Yeah. The most efficient way. And, and then and then, you know. Ah, I uh, Yale is my is, is is the joke I didn't get a laugh at. I got to go backtrack once and go to the University of Dayton. Got it. And so that's right. it, that's a slam on me. That's I went to the University of Dayton, but um, <laughs> graduated cum laude, by the way. But um, <laughs> and my diploma is like he was high the whole time and he was <laughs> drinking. He was a drunk. Shut up, anthropomorphist. <laughs> no one needs to hear from you. You're dusty and you, you lost your plastic covering, so you're a little yellow. I'm not <laughs> scared of nothing. I didn't mean it that way. Anyway, sorry. Good example. Yeah, right. So, um, you were talking about two other heightening devices. Contrast. Okay, what's contrast? Yeah. Contrast is is great. Contrast is where you're just comparing two different things. You know, you're. Yeah, I, I'll read my card while you're looking at that up. I say, do it this way here and that way there. Right. I just wrote some examples. This way in New York, this way in Colorado. Or this way when you're on this emotion, or that way when you're under this emotion. Or this way as a kid and that way as an adult. Exactly. Um, you do, um, it, it was that way at the turn of the century and it's this way now. It's you know They do it this way in India, but they do it this way in America. So it, it can be any of those things, but it's always a comparison. And typically it's a, it's a, a it's funny to compare things when when the when you heighten the differences between those two things and that's the whole point you're having you're trying to um use your your comedy lens to make a point of why those things are different so in the in the book i use the idea of uh, adam yenser does uh, sexy men's clothing he says men's bodies are way more disgusting than women's bodies so right away he's got that's his premise like men we we're we're big, hairy, and ugly, whereas women are fine, smooth, and, and gorgeous. And so he said, just look at the sexy outfits people wear. Sexiest thing a woman can wear is lingerie, which is basically nothing at all, right? Even that kind of gets a little bit of a laugh, a recognition laugh of like, oh yeah, that's true kind of a thing. So it's probably gets a little bit of a snicker from the audience. That's not his joke, but that's, you know, sexiest thing a man can wear. So he already, he gave us the one half of the contrast. Sexiest thing a woman can wear Sexiest thing a man can wear, right? That's the contrast. So sexiest thing a woman can wear, lingerie, where he's wearing nothing at all. Sexiest thing a man can wear, a three-piece suit. Just layers and layers of material covering every inch of his horrible body. And just to be safe, it's tied around his neck to make sure it doesn't fall off. Heightened, boom, it's great. Like a great joke, you know, and a great contrast because now we're, we're getting to see like, wow, a woman's body must be better looking because we want to see more of it. And the guys, we want to see way less of it. And that's, 
that and then it's about the attitude that he says it in and then it's about the timing of how he does it but it gets a really great laugh that's a really funny contrast and um you know, we get to we get to laugh at the idea that those two things are different. And then, you know, we get to um, Adam's um, Adam's um, comedy lens, his uniquely conservative observational takes is is my stab at his at his lens. Yeah. Again, whenever you take a stab at someone else's lens, you have to always say, but I could be wrong. <laughs> I, but that might not be what it is. But that's what from my observation of his material. That's how it looks in. um my first book, I talk about George Carlin. Remember, he does baseball versus football. Football's played on a gridiron. Baseball's played on a field. So now he's got an attitude that he's using. George Carlin yeah. is saying uh, football is tough. Baseball is for wimps. And so everything he does, you know, baseball, football, I'm going to score a touchdown in the end zone. Baseball, I'm running home. You know, okay. so so he his attitude is is that one is tough and one is 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 not. And that's where the contrast begins to get a laugh. And he plays that contrast. You know, if you've ever heard that bit, he does it, you know, like 10 or 12 times he goes into it because he's a real wordsmith and he likes to really get like his bits are really well thought out. Um, Carlin, again, brilliant, just a brilliant, like he's, you know, the godfather of, of, of observational comedy. Well, one of the godfathers, Lenny Bruce is the, the, the main one, but I digress. But yeah, but that, that bit, is a, if you have never heard that bit, you got to listen to that whole bit because it, it's just a, 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 you know, a masterclass in contrast because, you know, he does, because what he does, con, it, what, what Carlin does with that bit is he finds uh, funny specifics and recognition laughs within his contrast. And that's what you're trying to do always is combine a bunch of different heightening devices to make your point. And so he, he, you know, the funny specifics are, you know, gridiron field. Those are funny specifics. And those are also recognition laughs because you, I, I know I recognize the football gridiron. I recognize the baseballs played on the field. So, so th those are what he does all across the board on that bit. And then the other one, um, it was Chris Rock is, does a great contrast. Um, people are actually allergic to food in America. No one is allergic to food in Rwanda. Being fat in America is bad. Being fat anywhere else in the world is admirable. So now <laughs> he's making a comment on America and he's making a comment on who we are as a people, how we waste food and how we overeat and, um, and how in elsewhere, and now he uses Rwanda because that's a recognizable place where people are starving. And so because he is a black man, he can make jokes about other people who look like him who are suffering in a way that he's really mocking. He's not mocking Rwanda. He's not mocking people who are starving. He's mocking us for being so fat when there's other people like that who are existing in the world. So he's not punching down. He's punching up at us, America, fat, rich Americans. And so... So it's it's brilliant. Chris Rock again, another brilliant comedian who's who's um, just constantly churning out new material. And then you have and that the contrast in, in my act. I talked about uh, Midwesterners. Um, yeah, the people in Midwest are really friendly, and like there's some places where you know, like in the city, uh, like you know, like whatever, they're they're like you know, uh, hey, do you know where the library is? Fuck off, you know. Why are you even trying to read? And then in, in, in the Midwest, it's like, oh, my God, the library, you're a reader. Wonderful. I'll take you there. Get on my back. I'll carry you. And then, you know, like like the people in the Midwest are so friendly. They want to they want to help you get to whatever you want to get to, whereas the people in the big cities are not. So that was my contrast. I was showing because I was I was working in Minneapolis when that joke came out when I wrote that bit and people in Minneapolis, if you've ever been to Minneapolis are like some of the friendliest people in the world. Oh my God, you, you need help. And then I said, you know, I, I, they, they blow their help bristle. 
There's someone that's not from the area that needs our help. Circle up, everybody. We're going to get them to the library. All right, you get them on in your car. You take them, you, you, you lend them your library card. And then, you know, you teach them how to read in case he doesn't know the big words or whatever, you know. But, but the idea was that, you know, people in the city don't give a shit about you, but people in Minneapolis love you. And then that audience loved it because they were like, he's right. We are that friendly. And, and they got a big laugh there. All right, let's hear that bit. You guys are so friendly, <laughs> almost to a fault. The Midwest people are so friendly. They get into your business like, good morning, who the fuck are you? <laughs> and how do you know so much about my morning? <laughs> Indeed, it was good. Well done, sir. <laughs> good morning, god damn it. You're not from here, are you? <laughs> you should drink our water, it changes you. <laughs> Y'all chew a lot of gum, that's all I'm saying. I love the friendliness, so don't lose that. And that's why, I mean, I grew up in the Midwest. I love that. I've lived in New York, I've li I lived in Vegas, Chicago, LA. And boy, it's just nothing better than the Midwest sensibility. And people are just nice. You can always tell too when you ask for directions. You ever notice that? Yes, strangers for directions tells a lot about them. Like when I lived in New York, people just fuck with me. It's like, hey, do you know where the library is? Yeah. <laughs> Since I was about five. <laughs> well, enjoy your access to reading. I think I'm gonna go rent a movie. <laughs> but here, you people, you'll give directions. You care about people. It's funny. Well, you got like help whistles on. <laughs> you know, you go, hey, do you know where the library is? You guys are like, there's someone that's not from Cincinnati that needs our help. <laughs> people come running up. What's going on there? Oh, he's not from the Midwest. He needs to know where the library is. Don't worry. Uh, it's the Midwest. It's, uh, we'll get you there. <laughs> It's what we do. This contrast, like, just working on a bit about how, yeah, you know, like people in Colorado are really thin, like the thinnest state, very athletic. My buddy in Salt Lake, Salt Lake, very athletic out, and then he his his family lives in Detroit, so like he goes to the he goes to the airport in Salt Lake, and he's like, oh man, I gotta lose fifteen pounds, and then he connects through Denver, and he's like, oh shit, I gotta lose twenty pounds, <laughs> and they. And then he lands in Detroit and he's like, I'm an Adonis. Like, look, <laughs> that's good. That's good. That's Is a great that... contrast. Yeah. Okay. And then, you know, you just keep heightening that, you know, you just, you know, like, like all the different places where he realizes that about himself in, you know, but, but I mean, that's, that, that's the joke right there. You just did the joke. I mean, that's, that's the full joke. And does, does Adonis, is that a line that's too arcane or too? People know who Adonis was. Adonis? Oh, I knew I knew yeah. what you're talking about, but but I'm 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 college educated and well read, so I don't know. I'm dating. Adonis. <laughs> um you talking about Madonna? Is that who you said? Adonis? Adonis? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Adonis, you know, but but that that could be you know, sometimes when you do that, um and you have a funny specific or a, a recognition laugh that doesn't get the laugh, you can use that as a launching point for the idea that the audience didn't know who Adonis is. And so you can you can do a Greek god bit or whatever to, in order to save it sort of heighten mm -hmm. it. And then you do a callback later to an Adonis again. Now the audience is in on that's it. That's really funny. Boom, yeah. Now you get the big laugh. And so that's 
you take you take the hit on the first one so you get the big applause break on the second one and that's what a that's what a skilled comic would do maybe you know okay so what we did sweet contrast we did anthropomorphize and, and let's then, do cut uh, back to and then i have the first kiss i'm trying to remember what that bit is by the time I got married, I was done with dating. That first kiss, oh, that first kiss. I hated it. On the stoop, me and her, mano a womano. <laughs> like that right there, mano, you know, mano a mano is the thing, but I'm with a woman, so I just changed it to mano a womano. And it's like my own word, but they got, you know, it was a chuckle. It's not a big laugh, but it's a chuckle on the way to get my big joke. And my my joke is I cut back to my wife and I's first kiss and how awkward, how awkward was it? Just standing there, and usually it's the guy that has to make the first move. Women just stand there to receive, like. So then now I'm doing the woman. She's just like, you know, like a, a silly face of of her ready to receive the first kiss because it's not her job to do it. This bit is, um, I, I I do um, you know, like like you know when you do a first kiss, you have to lean in kind of to to do it. So there's that awkward moment where you have to go forward, where your neck sort of goes forward, and so I end up being like. Bah! I start doing like I'm a chicken, so I I like like I'm basically heightening the idea that because I'm 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 awkward about my intimate moments, and this is the first one, I, I look like a chicken when I do it. So there's a real recognition laugh there. That's the heightening device I use there, and I do sort of a um, an exaggerated uh, funny specific, which is that neck looks like a a chicken's neck. And then, um, you know, it just goes. But it's normally our job to take our big ass bulky heads two and a half feet towards yours and stop right on time with our tongue in your mouth. Oh, that'll be work. <laughs> you gotta open. <laughs> Do you have the microphone stand in the, in the, do you have the mic in the stand right now and you're leaning yeah, the I'm mic? Using, or, or... Yeah, exactly. That's a good point. This is again like like when you know the stand-up stage is very sparse. So you've got a mic stand, a mic, and typically a stool, and maybe a bottle of water or a, a drink on the on the stool. And that's it. That's all you've got up there. So a lot of comedians use the mic stand, like you know, I've seen them use it as a metal detector, I've seen them use it as um a gun. They use it as a cane, you know, they, they use it as a, a, a like a, a lever that they, you know, as a device. What I did is I put the mic stand, the mic in the mic stand, and I pretended that was her, that was the girl. So I'm like lunging forward towards the mic and as if she is that that mic. So, so now in their mind, they're watching my first kiss with her. There's always a voice in my head putting pressure on me. 14 seconds until kiss time, Mr. Lucas. Prepare to lunge, prepare to fail. 13 seconds and counting. Don't forget, you ate garlic. 12, 11. <laughs> and then I just have to blurt it out. I had a really good time. I want to go. Uh, <laughs> 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 Sorry. Abandon the mission. She thinks you're a chicken. Get out, get out. <laughs> This is what I would have done to your face. <laughs> You're making out with the screen door. Get out. She's calling 911. Okay, I'll call you. You'll screen it. I laid you an egg. Enjoy breakfast. <laughs> Driving home like an idiot. That went pretty well. That was all right, man. 
So, you know, so that, that, that was sort of my style was I would just create a moment and then I would heighten it to the point of ridiculousness. And then I would just yes. And the fact that, well, I, I guess I'm a chicken now. And then, you know, I, I'm, I'm, um, you know, but really what I, the, 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 the statement I'm making is I'm not very good at intimate moments. I, how bad is he? He's so bad that he physically, you know, headbutts her is a chicken. He he's has a hell voice that has to, that, that, that's, that's, that's correcting him and all that stuff. So. Yeah. And what 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 is the definition of a, of a cutback to? Do you have that? A cutback to is when you create a scenario that may have existed prior to the setup. I say try and imagine a situation that might have existed any time before the present that somehow affects the setup. Maybe this scenario caused a setup, or perhaps it just explains why the setup exists. And so, yeah, you you're you're basically. I said it can be a conversation, an activity, an idea. Or any situation, so long as it somehow connects to the setup's past history. So, yeah, it, like a lot of times, it explains something that you're explaining now, and it, it sort of gives a, a clear meaning to it. Sometimes it heightens a, a, a thing that you're talking about. Like in that case, you know, it um, it was explaining my own um, nervousness. You know, when you said cut back to, I, I immediately thought to the Gaffigan bit where he does about a hot pocket. And he does the bit about how do they come up with that jingle? Yeah. And like he instantly sends you back to like the you know right. ad marketing office that says like, what do you think happened? How, how did they work? How long do they work on that jingle? That's a, that's a cutback, right? Yeah, and that's a very typical cutback. Cut back to the marketing. Cut back to the marketing genius that came up with that crazy idea. That's like a real kind of a hack cut back to but because gaffigan does it it's you know it's always brilliant and he comes up with a different twist on something that even if it's something that a lot of other comics have done gaffigan is so damn brilliant it like he, he finds an original take on that i have actually funny in in the um book i use a cut back to which is um i use um the one that he does uh, uh, about uh, uh he says i'm not i'm sure most of you showered there's probably one or two weirdos out there that took a bath how much free time do you have on your hands? What are you taking a break from ruling ancient Egypt? I don't have anything to do and I'll never have anything to do. So I'll just sit in a pool of my own filth. Oh, luxury. So, you know, he's, he's um, cutting back to, you know, that, that moment of, of the taking of the bath and, 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 and then heightening it by saying it's as if he's the king of, of Egypt or whatever. So to me that, that, yeah, but the hot pocket one is another one that, like that. And then let's see, let me just look at the, uh, here's a couple examples. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld describing seedless watermelons. He cuts back to when wa the watermelon scientist had the idea. Again, Will the marketing genius that came up with it, you know, like so. So then he cut. He brings you back to that moment when they were uh, thinking about, you know, there's too much. We got to get rid of the. And then so he's using a, a recognition laugh, which is we have to spit seeds, and then he makes the noise, and that's what gets that laugh. And then uh, Chris Rock does a cut back to when he does uh, on the Bible's view on pork. The pork rule was uh, was made way back when there were no refrigerators and a pork chop could kill you. So he does a cut back to the original reason why there's uh, no pork in the, you know, allowed in that um, in the Bible. So, yeah, cut back to is great because it it's, a, it's, it's an act out. It's another way to another excuse to do an act out. And, and act outs are fun. Act, act outs are like, you know, I, I make a point in a statement. Now cut back to that time when when that was first invented or when that first happened or, or the reason why uh, that's true now. And it's a, it's a real fun way to make that point. 
So yeah, yeah, and it's funny. Like yeah, anytime you get watch a comedian give a laugh, you can always trace back the heightening devices they're using and and then their lens, you know, the lens that they use. Yeah.